This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, Canadian singer-songwriter Alex Kuba is now the proud owner of a Grammy. After winning Latin Grammys in the past, he tells us what is so special about this Grammy win for him, why he chooses to make his music in Canada, what makes that special, and the incredible story about how he learned he was a Grammy winner. Ukrainian policy expert Hannah Schilst, PhD, updates us on the war from Odessa. She explains the roller coaster of emotions living through this war, what it's like finding out if her friends are okay, and the roller coaster of emotions from good moments to bad moments, plus the fighting in and around Ukraine and everything that's happening. Sir Christopher Gilbert joins us from Tokyo with the International Dispatch. We take a look at the trials and tribulations of young workers. Maybe they're not alone. Plus, the tale of a man who chose to live in an airport so he can smoke and drink in peace. This is the Shift Podcast. Let's go to Tokyo. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Sir Christopher Gilbert, did you get a haircut? Uh, I mean, I did get a haircut, but my hair is not as short as you might think. I've got it tucked behind my my ears yeah. here, so I'm really cheating. There you go. Nice and long right. now. I, I pulled it off. Uh, the the, the power of radio, hey? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, buddy? How are things in Tokyo? You still have cherry blossoms? Yeah, I mean, not really. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting on the Zoom call at the moment because uh, Brendan, uh, Ryan, and Shane are all just in the in the depths of nighttime, and the sun is beaming in through my window just to give an international flavor to everything. But outside, I can't see the sakura anymore, mate. We had um, we had some wind and some rain, and it's blew them all away. The delicate little things. But um, hmm. before that happened, they did have raging drunken parties on saturday despite governor koike's uh you know request to just tone it down this year just walk no and partying eat in the park Pinko. no one listened no one everyone just is like you know what we've had two years of doing that we're gonna bloody well sit down and have a, a nice little picnic under a, a pretty flower and nice. that's what everybody did so it's very good it's also shane new grad season do you guys know about new grad season in japan i do not yeah, well, Japan is uh, famously the country of 72 seasons, <laughs> and one of them is a new grad season, I suppose. New grad season is uh, as the sakura blossom and, and bloom and, uh, and become beautiful, so do uh, 22, 21-year-old uh, university graduates who enter the workforce for the first time. Oh. This is the time of year when uh, all of the fresh graduates from university start their kaisha they start their first week their first days at the company which will own their soul for the rest of their life and they're so cute they're just like freshmen in their first week at uni you know they walk around, they got their little crisp suits on and their baby faces and their fresh haircuts and you go downtown and you see them like they like kind of like safety and numbers thing they huddle together and they walk around town together because they don't know anybody and they're terrified of literally everyone in their workplace. And uh, it's, it's an adorable sight to see, really, you know, like the, the last of their innocence before work just crushes their spirit. Crushes their soul to nothingness, the corporate world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, beautiful. and also the public sector here, you know, there was a survey done of public sector workers, like bureaucrats that are working in uh, ministry offices. And uh, over the last five years, and the number of people who have quit has quadrupled in their really? 20s. 
Yeah, and so that's a big deal because usually the culture in Japan is that your company is your company for life, or you're, really? you know, working for the public sector. You're in that for life. You know, like maybe in the private Jeez. sector you might switch or jump once or twice, but in the public sector, you know, you take exams to fast track, you know, becoming a senior bureaucrat, a senior official, and those exams, I think, you know, like it's that's down and down, down and down, like the number of people taking those exams every year because for uh, the reason. Is apparently that just a number the amount of overtime you know they have to be on twenty four hours a day they only get praised if they work overtime if they don't work overtime they don't have any uh, opportunities um, and I really? think you know this, people's private lives are just suffering and the young generation they don't want to do a hundred hours of overtime every month anymore they want to you know go Snuckers. go see the missus I know want to have a life can't believe Apparently. this young generation how dare they oh, disgusting hey. It's absurd. Get back to work. Well, that is kind of cool that, uh, that, uh, that I guess that everyone's excited to head out into the workforce and get started on their careers as opposed to everyone in Canada where it's like, I'm going to take a gap decade. Yeah. But it's, it, well, that's kind of what I'm doing because, you know, like, you know, becoming a, a freelance radio journalist really is taking a, a gap decade until you realize you mm. can't afford it. Then you have to go find a job again. I go past mm. these guys every day and I'm wearing like my, my fancy, like, weirdo like no fielding uh, knitted sweater and i'm wearing like my fancy jeans and like my fancy like hipster shoes or whatever and i'm walking past all these young people in the same black and white suit and i'm like huh i'm like you know 12 13 years older than these guys they all have jobs huh hilarious what am i doing with my life <laughs> did you want to talk about that or are you good you want to, well, like maybe a hug Ryan or... does with his peanut butter in his mouth. He was nodding along. Oh, I know. As he always but... schedules things to happen at this break so we can have peanut butter toast. It's a thing. It happens. Do Don't. It, it's funny. Right. If you ever want to just ask him a question, now's the time to do it because, see, he can't. He's got nothing. Okay, he's, still, he's, he's giving me the stall face. He's got peanut butter. Come on, Ryan. You can do it, man. No, I'm all right. Stalling. I'm okay. Oh. See? It's okay. There it yeah, is. I'm good. <laughs> I told you. I'm not it's like not a dog right now. Wakey, wakey. Um, don't worry, I can. I am able to eat and listen at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's funny. It, it's funny, Chris. Eh? Like, <laughs> I think a lot of people that are younger, or at least twenties, mid twenties, are trying to figure out: Are we working towards our long-term careers, or are we still trying to figure out what that is? Uh, there's this joke in the office. Uh, one of the characters, Gabe, says, oh, here's that mid-20s crisis everybody keeps telling me about. And I think a lot of us are going through that. Where we're like, are we really heading in the right direction? Because there's been so much turmoil in the world that we don't really feel secure in any aspect of our life, especially our jobs. And uh, it's tough to stick with a job for five, ten years in 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 this climate right now when you're younger really is because you just think "Uh, i don't like the momentum well i think it's really funny because i mean the way that you share it um you share it like it's new i mean when i was in my 20s um we went through it as well like like and i don't mean that as a as a being dismissive of your experience of it but i mean you share it like it's the first generation that's gone through that and that's sort of i think this mentality difference is that um that we've all gone like through that. And then you find out that by the way, this career you chose is probably not going to be the career. I mean, I did music radio, right? That's what I was doing. I was doing music yeah. radio. So I, for me, it was like, ah, music radio. And then all of a sudden now I'm doing, 
talk radio. I would never have thought no. I was doing. So things are going to change anyway. So it's neat that, that that you can see that with with your generation, you're taking it very seriously. But I think it's almost taking it too seriously because the answer as you get older, because we all of us, you know, the four of us on the show right now, we all cr- kind of cross four different gaps of generation, which is neat, and it's almost mm. equally spread across all four of us. And in hindsight, you look back on that and you go. Yeah, you know what? I took that way too seriously because the reality is, is that it's going to happen not only in your twenties. It's then it's going to happen in your thirties. That is going to happen in your forties. I have I, I have three things to say. Sorry, Brendan, but this number one concerns you. Is yeah. Brendan like millennial point five? Is he like I, millennial I, and a half? I'm, what's, I'm, what's I'm like a year older than you, so that's why I took exception to the four different generations. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who's well, the no, boomer? I didn't here? think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. Well, no, I thought it was. Uh, I thought Chris, you were thirty-two. I'm thirty-four. Yeah, you know, thirty-seven. Right so I mean, it's yeah, not, thirty-seven. It's okay, so I mean, we're twenty-six, thirty-four, thirty-seven, forty-six. Second half I thought it was twenty. You're offended. I'm sorry. You, yeah, I thought it was twenty-six, thirty-two, thirty-eight, forty-six. So I thought we were doing pretty good there, but I was off by a couple of years. But you, you have no, my point, like, though, right? We got a Gen X, a Gen. Z, a, a millennial, and uh, we've got a, we've got a Brendan as well. We've got to just throw yeah, a yeah. Brendan in the mix. So, Brendan's undecided. Um, Elder millennial what, is what I call myself. The, the two other things is, first of all, Ryan, I like how you were commiserating with my struggle there about being in the mid-20s, but I'm actually in my mid-30s, which is very concerning for me if I'm still going through <laughs> my mid-20s while in my mid-30s. Yeah. The third thing is, have you ever heard of um like a a second adolescence that happens around yep. the ages of, of 20 to 25 ish depending on like you know where you're just all the masks of your identity that you've built up have falling off you're like what job do i want who's my friends who hates me what are they talking about who am i oh my god i don't know where's tumblr tumblr doesn't exist anymore i have to join a fandom i have to watch buffy the vampire slayer again it just keeps happening and happening you know and then you cry a lot and then you end up on talk radio anyway so you know really you're on the right track <laughs> yeah I, it's it's great it's fantastic <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I, Sorry, I think man. the cool thing is because we have our shifted audience does cross such wide generations. When you look back on it, and I say things today that I'm sure a 55 year old and a 65 year old and a 75 year old are looking back at the conversation saying, Hey, Shane, I, I get it. You're going to go through this three or four more times. Like you're, it's going to happen again. And so I look back on it now, like I'm all wise and I'm really not because I'm going to go through it all again anyway. And I think that's the really the takeaway is you just got to realize that, you know, that work thing, the am I doing it all right? I'm pretty sure that by the time you're 75, if I talk to my parents, I'm, actually, you know what I did? I just had a conversation with my mom and, and she said, well, how did we do or have we been doing okay? I mean, and this is my mom who's almost 70 now saying basically like she doesn't even know for sure if they're doing it right even now as grandparents. So, I mean, you're not alone in that and that's the thing you got to take away. You had a midlife crisis yet, Shane? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I've had a midlife crisis. I, mean, I was, um, I, I got divorced. Um, you know, I got divorced nine years ago now, nine years ago. Yeah. It's nine mm. years ago in May. And so for me that I, I'm not sure you have a midlife crisis after you have a divorce because that's like life comes crashing down and, and yeah. you don't have a choice but to rebuild it and you, you get a second chance. So that's the that's the mm. cool part. I mean, I don't endorse it, but you do get a second chance to do it your way and do it the way that you think is best, which is 
So I'm not quite sure it's midlife crisis is quite the same after divorce. Yeah, I can see that's probably when you go and buy your first Harley, you know, as um as after as after that. But you you haven't you haven't decided to stay married and live in a in a in a Chinese airport for 14 years then. No, no, I'm good. I I do look forward to getting married again one day though. I'm a big fan of that. So I'm I'm segueing segueing to the next the, story. Uh, I know the, the, the segment back, but I back. But back how was I supposed to answer there. it if I don't if I can't? I gotta. I was trying to get you there. Well, you can answer it. No, oh no, Chris, I haven't done it. Please tell me more about that kind of concept. I'm uh, getting married again. You just got married. I'm not can't tell you about marriage and all the things that come with marriage and divorce. You're freshly married and all like all love bubbles above your head. Oh my goodness! No, not being married. About living in a Chinese airport for fourteen years. Like this oh. Chinese man, I want to talk about who's been living in Beijing airport for fourteen years. Well, I can't years read your mind. Stop asking oh, me questions, then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on and take a tour yeah, around the world on. with Chris into China because yeah. he's trying to get there, but I'm not figuring it out. I'm trying to get there. Um, there's a man. Um, he doesn't look very happy in this photo. He looks a bit miserable and unhealthy, to be honest. He's been living in Beijing airport for 14 years because he doesn't want to give up smoking and drinking. Um, you know, I'll admit every now and then, you know, I'll have a, a cheeky beverage in the park or something, but like I wouldn't live in the park for 14 years to drink. But um, yeah, this guy apparently in his house, his uh, wife doesn't let him um, smoke or drink and he wants to smoke and drink. And he's like, well, where can I smoke and drink? And it's like, well, it's Terminal, Terminal 2 of Beijing International. Um, his name is uh, Wei, oh my, I'm sorry to all um, our Chinese listeners, but Wei Jingguo. Uh, oh, man, I think I did better at that than I thought I was going to. He's in his 60s. He was so disturbed by his family life that the only solution in his view was to move to the airport where he's now lived for 14 years. Um, according to the Chinese newspaper China Daily, uh, he decided to take this step uh, so he can smoke and drink as much as he likes. And I did a little bit of research. I looked up a map of uh, Beijing Airport Terminal 2 um, to see what kind of situation he's got going on here. And I think he's quite happy, you know, like um, uh, on the main retail floor, it seems like you have a smoking booth in every corner. The, the, the shape of the airport is like a capital I. And in all extremes of the capital I, there's a smoking room and a smoking room in the middle too. So there's like five or six smoking rooms in each level. Um, it looks to me like he's just set up at like a gate, but he can't possibly be set up at a gate because he wouldn't be through security. So just in the waiting area of the departures lounge or the arrivals lounge, I have, it doesn't really say I'm very interested in that, but there are so many amenities. There's a Baskin Robbins, there's a Starbucks, there's many like um, cigar houses and tobacco and wines and spirits, uh, you know, that you can buy. So I'm sure he's uh, kept in good supply. I will say, however, that, you know, like every now and then I like to change up where I buy liquor because, you know, like not that I buy liquor that often, but like I, I don't want to go back to the same place every time because it's like, you know, you go in, it's like, oh, you again. Uh, you know, and it's like you don't really I feel like you don't really want that relationship with your liquor store or the people you buy smokes from. That's just for me, you know. So I really admire somebody who's forced himself to not only buy the liquor from the same shop every day for 14 years, but uh, consume it in the same seat as well. So really, you know, hats off to him. I don't know if you're asking me a question if you're trying to segue yet. So I'm just going to sit here quietly. 
<laughs> hey, do your job. Uh, I can't just do this whole segment hey, talking to myself. I can tell you. Um, I can tell you this. I love the guy at the Horseman Liquor Store where I go, which is this divey liquor store that has got way too much stuff in it. It's probably a fire hazard, but the guy who's there is wicked, and I always go back to support him because he's independent. So I continually go to the same old liquor store because they know me by name. Respect, support, local, absolutely. And uh, I don't. I don't know any anybody. I mean, Ryan. What do you think? You said you love this story about the guy that lives in in uh, in Beijing Airport. What, what do you think about this? I just uh, I uh, there's a point where you become so stubborn that it's almost like a superpower, and this guy is just completely living into that. He just does not care, and he's like, "This is it. I'm fine with this." And yeah. I don't think I could ever do that, but I do a deep like that deep dark corner of my brain envies that. That ability to just yeah. go, I'm married, I have a commitment. You know what? I'm just gonna smoke and drink in the airport. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's unbelievable. It's it's kind of it's kind of objectively incredible and awful at the same time. That's why it just fascinates me. I think what? that is that bit of me that when my relationship became more serious years ago, well before I got married, you kind of realize, especially as like kind of like a useless guy that I am that did a lot of partying when he was younger that was like, Oh, I kind of like this person. Oh man, I'm going to have to grow up now. I'm going to have to like clean up my act a bit. This is like a serious thing. I'm going to have to learn how to, you know, wash my clothes and do the nah. dishes and pick up towels off the floor and not leave here in the bath. And maybe I'll have to stop smoking and drinking every day too. And that tension I remember in like the early days of our relationship was like, Oh if I could just, uh, I'm giving up the bachelor life. I mean, I'm giving it up for a thing, but you know, I'm giving up the freedom to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And uh, you know, this guy, hats off to him. He didn't give up. He get, he got the wife, and he got you know his lonely life as well. Oh my god, this is so depressing. <laughs> hey, if he's happy drinking in an airport, what's one of my favorite places to have a beer in an airport? So I would say, good for you. I love also, this. Sir Christopher Gilbert the airport for not kicking them out at not all. kicking him out 14 years. Yeah. Sir Christopher Gilbert is in Tokyo. He's from New Zealand. He lived in Canada. We have time for one more in our world tour. Chris, where do you want to go? Okay. This one is really short and it raises a lot of questions. Uh, in the UK, lamb chops were stuffed in a car exhaust pipe. And at Herefordshire Meat Attack, is it Herefordshire or Herefordshire? Who cares? Uh, another vehicle was left with a chicken drumstick hanging from a wheel rim. Uh, so that's lamb chops and chicken drumsticks. Police say eggs were also thrown when two properties were targeted with meaty cuts in, Her in Herefordshire that left one car looking more like a butcher's grinder, it says. It happened at half past nine at night on Saturday in Creedon Hill near Herefordshire, uh, the West Mercia Force said. Um, I do like these quotes from these residents um, in typical British style, always finding multiple things to complain about in any situation. Not only making a mess for people, what a waste of good food when so many people in the world are starving. Another said, what a total waste of good food. Other British, they think alike. I eat meat and I'll never waste because I think of the poor animal that was sacrificed. Oh, well, that's quite true. But I just love, you know, this, this you know, like, 
nobody knows why there's meat stuffed all over this car and eggs were thrown. I, it doesn't say if it was a vegetarian's house, because if it was a vegetarian's house, that is honestly just a cruel attack and not quite as whimsical mm. as I'm making it sound. Um, I like to think that it's not, and it's just, you know, a, a mysterious a mysterious thing in the world that we can uh, roll our eyes about, I think. Why not? Why lamb chops? That's my question. Why wouldn't you just go for a cheaper meat? If you're going to use meat, you got, you're like, we should use meat. Like, why not bologna or something? You know, I, I would never, I love spam, so I wouldn't say to use one of those, you know, meats. But why, why lamb chops? Wouldn't you go a little more frugal? Why lamb chops indeed? You know, I, the only thing I can think from looking at the pictures uh, of a chicken drumstick on a wheel and lamb chops and, and a, quite a large exhaust, to be honest, because lamb chops are good, you know, as a meat eater myself, a good cut of meat, and they're quite pricey, is that somebody was absolutely sloshed one night on their way mm. home from the bottle oil or the pub or wherever they were, and they were like, you know, I really feel like, I really feel like some lamb chops. And so they went into the supermarket, they went in Safeway, and they're like, oh, you're having lamb chops. And like the guy, they drunkenly bought some lamb chops and opened the packet on the way home. And he's like, oh, I don't want this. I can't eat it. It's not even cooked or anything. And then like, what can I do with it? Oh, there's an exhaust pipe. Poof. Problem solved. I love the story that you've written about the drunk guy. I would also like to acknowledge that every story you've brought to us involves booze. So, uh, I'm going to have a psychiatrist appointment um, coming up next week, so it's going to be fine, Shane. Don't worry about it. I'll talk about Good it with you. Have a nice drink afterwards. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going straight to the pub after this. Thank you, brother, for being here. Appreciate it as always. Great to chat with you. Yeah, it's uh, always nice to have a nice, uh, a nice long chat with all the boys. So I'll uh, see you again next week. This is the Shift Podcast. Ah, yes, the beautiful Latin sounds of Alex Cuba, Canadian. Mírame, porque al menos quiero que tus ojos so I'm sitting here flipping through all the award winners at the Grammys because they sort of got published right on Sunday and I, I'm rolling through it and I see Latin album Alex Cuba I was like get out of here like, is it, that's not the same guy is it and, and, and sure enough it was it's Alex Cuba it's a Canadian he's been on the uh, on the shift before he's a, uh, a family shift head family member Alex congratulations man you did it thank you so much man thank, thanks what a what a what an unbelievable experience you know I tell you yeah <laughs> I bet. So I saw it on the list. I immediately called Ryan uh, here on the shift and I said, dude, Alex Kuba just won the Grammy. And he's like, get out of here. I was like, yeah, like he legitimately just won the Grammy. How cool is this? <laughs> and I said, call, we need to call him. And he's like, I think he's probably pretty busy today. I was like, well, yeah, I get that, but let's try. So we actually <laughs> did try to reach you on Sunday. Where were you when you found out? And uh, cause I believe that part's not actually on the TV. So what, what was your experience of winning a Grammy, Alex Kuba? This is, that was the best part. Um, because I, I didn't go this year. This Grammy was my fourth nomination to the Grammys. And I always go. I always make an effort to go. 
that timing has always been, you know, perfect and 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 hasn't moved. They said this is the day, so we plan and we go. But due to COVID this year, they moved it from January 31st, and I was going to go to April 3rd. When they did that, it clashed with my shows with some tour that I was doing. A, actually, mm-hmm. a, very, a couple of very cool and important shows. I, I was doing uh, two shows with the Okanagan Symphony Orchestra, mm-hmm. and so I couldn't, I couldn't say no to that, you know. So I was where I was when I heard about, you know, when I heard the news of my win. Um, I was driving back home, and life is interesting. Um, on the way back from Kelowna to Smithers. Uh, we encounter different types of weather. And when we are entering Quenel about 10 minutes out, all the sun, there is this massive snowstorm. And I'm driving through that. I decided to drive myself. My wife went with me and my youngest son went with me too. But I decided to drive that day or that time because I, I didn't want to be glued to the to, to the screen of my phone. So I said, mm-hmm. if, I, if I drive, I just think about something else and it'll be, it'll be all right. If I'm going to win it, the phone is going to ring no matter what, right? So here is, you know, here we are in the middle of a snowstorm. And I looked at the clock and I'm like, okay, I think my category already passed. So maybe I didn't win anything. Whatever, you know, let's keep making music for sure. Think about the tour. It's more important now. And five, five minutes later, my publicist calls me and I didn't recognize the number for whatever reason, but I answered. And he said, hey, well, I need you to send me a, qu- a, a, a quote, you know? And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what? And he said, wait, 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 you don't know? Said, no, no, I don't know. He said, you won, you won. You know, so we started screaming in the car, as you can imagine. Oh, that's awesome. And man, then he told me, you, you need to park right now. I need, you need to be stationary because I need some information from you. We need to feed the media right now. And, you know, so we're 10 minutes out. We got to Quenel, parked, and, and man, it was crazy from there. And what a beautiful experience, you know. I can, I can believe when I opened my phone again, it was like I had like a million messages, you know, on on, on all on all uh, apps, you know, like uh, from text, WhatsApp, Telegram, Facebook, uh, you name it. It was like I never seen my phone like that before. Amazing. <laughs> that's so cool uh alex cuba was born in cuba and then uh, met a canadian and um you know last time we were on uh, on the uh the radio together we chatted about your wife and how she came to where you lived you met her and then now you've come back here with her and her family and and uh, become a canadian and and living in smithers bc it's would you look backwards at when you have won in the past, and when we talked about your uh, your costume getting uh, put in the uh, Grammy Hall of Fame, sitting next to Lionel Richie and Taylor Swift and all those people, from your previous wins, when you look back now, I mean, that story gets more and more wild. The fact well, that, I'm, like, you, you told me before that you made music because it was just in you to make music. You had mm-hmm. shared with me, and I love this. It's one of the biggest takeaways from the last time we visited was you said, I don't think I chose to make music. I think it just sort of happened. And uh, I've really taken that with me as a piece of inspiration. But when you add on this continued success and growth in your music career, I mean, how do you argue anything that's happened in your life at this point? No, it's not even a point to argue. You know, it's like, 
The only thing I can, I, I can do is sit and watch, get up and keep making music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so true. I, I, um, I love it. The only thing that I can say though is is that it feels very natural. You know, music music flows through me, and I don't think I, I would ever be able to turn my back onto it. You know, because it's it's my breathing. You know, it's my pulse. It's my you know my my whole existence. You know, I I that is not a day goes by without me putting a melody into my voice memos in my phone. You know, because something crosses my mind, and I'm like. You know, that's going to turn into a song someday or even a whole song, you know, like I, I write music quite often. And um, and I the only thing I can say is like, wow, I, I'm really grateful to life, you know, that allows me to um, not only have that amount of music flowing through me, but also uh, that has allowed me to, you know, in, in a partnership with my, my wife and partner in crime. The only way to sustain a music career is if you really have it in your heart. If it's not that deep in your heart, the first time you fall, you're going to say, hey, hey, this is not for me. This is too hard. You know what I mean? So, I um, again, I didn't choose to be a musician, but I think I came to this world to be a musician. You know, So I, I'm glad that I never made the decision because that means I, I didn't have to think about it. So... <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Now you won Latin Grammys in the past, and then um, now you're you like I said that costume um, and a beautiful pair of uh, Converse shoes in the the Grammy uh, Hall of Fame. So there's there's you know mannequin you in the in the Hall of Fame, and then and then now you have the Grammy. So uh, I'm assuming it's different. Latin Grammys is an honor, but a Grammy that gets recognized beyond just Latin music. Uh, is that different for you? How does that does that land differently? Well, um, a, I I thought, of course, of course, with every single one of my Latin Grammys, uh, it felt amazing. It's like you, because the, because Latin music is very big. There is a lot of countries, you know, that all they all participate at the Latin Grammys and all that. So it's still a huge recognition. But in the music world, we look at the at the Grammys as you know the top. Of the top of the top right and it's it's been said before that it's, it's more difficult to get one um because it's, you know you're in front not only of um i mean now all the time you are in front of the mainstream uh industry of the united states you know and um and so yeah it's it it, it, it means a lot um and um i am so i feel so proud today um it feels like i reached you know, the highest uh, recognition in music. So you wake up this morning and shake your head still and go, Whoa, can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm still floating. I'm like, Oh my God. Once in a while I get this little, this little, you know, and I go up to my wife and I said, baby, we, we want a Grammy. This, yeah. this, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. <laughs> so, you know, so good. Yeah. I mean, I love it. You, um, I would love to attend your shows this week that you're doing because I think they're going to be amazing. Like the, the experience of yeah. coming off of this and then going into some of those intimate places and being able to do those shows. That's, that's amazing. And what an experience that, that can be for you this week. So yeah, I look forward to hearing me. Yeah. We should probably reconnect here in a week or so and get, you know, the, I want to hear what that sounded like for you, how it felt. 
That's super cool. That's super cool. In the U.S., I have to say, of course, they have more uh, Latin people there, you know, and um, I'm preparing myself because uh, it, there is big chances that, you know, a lot of people that know my music show up and, and then it will be like to hear crowds singing my music and stuff like that. It's, it's mm -hmm. just unbelievable when that happens. So, but yeah, we, there is a big reason to celebrate, you know, and hopefully people will like to come out to celebrate with me, you know. So. That's great. I love it. Okay, so now here, um, I just have a quick question. When you write your music, do you write it in English or Spanish when you think about it? No, most of the time it's, it's in Spanish. Yeah, once in a while I yeah. get a little chorus or something in English, and then I sit on it for a little while. If I need it, if I think it has potential, I go up to, I find a chord writer, you know, to yeah. to do my lyrical arm on that. And But yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly, mostly in Spanish. It's you know, it's my mother tongue. I grew up in Cuba. You know, I moved to Canada when I was 23. So, yeah, it's, I think, um, writing in English, I, I won't say no, but I, I think he, I, I would be happy if he shows up in me one time and he feels, uh, yeah. if, if he's organic, you know, that's the thing. That's beautiful. So now you can say that, by the way, when you're in dad mode, you could be like, you need to listen to me. I want a Grammy. <laughs> hey, more more parenting and uh, uncle potential there. Right. <laughs> okay, to throw it all down. Um, it's absolutely beautiful story. I love it. Uh, do you expect now? Uh, so the uh, the album was uh, the Mendo. Did I say that properly? Mendo. 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 Yeah. Um, best Latin pop album for the Grammy in 2022, so for last year. And um, is it going to be an influx of Latin artists coming into Smithers now? Is it going to be the new Latin uh, music mecca to come into Smithers, BC? I, I mean, because I know that when a lot of people are, are thinking, I'm going to be a Latin music star, they're probably not going, I need to go to Smithers, BC. <laughs> but maybe they are now. Well, I've been calling Smithers for a while now the Latin music capital of Canada. It's beautiful. I gave me that name and, and I guess winning this Grammy says a lot that way, you know? But it, believe it or not, starting to happen to me. I was on two, two weeks, three weeks ago. We did a little run in Alberta and, and uh, in Sacasio, yeah. But when we were in Lethbridge, I go to the hotel and the guy behind the counter I see, you know, obviously it looks, um, you know, like um, from from a Latin American country, um, and I'm I'm and, and then he saw me and he was like, and I, I noticed that something was happening, you know, and I said, hey, hey, how you doing? And he said, Alex Cuba, I gotta tell you something. You know, he started talking to me in Spanish, and he said to me, I came from Ecuador, Ecuador, uh, about six months ago. I am a musician too, and I came here because of you. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, what? What did you do? <laughs> did you I tell him have... that Lethbridge is not Smithers? <laughs> no, I, told him, I still have a lot of work to do, man. Come on, let me finish it. <laughs> oh, but, that's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, it's that, that's starting to happen actually. And and uh, it's, it, is, it is beautiful because of all places in the world, Smithers, BC, uh, in Canada, you know, like um, 
people don't necessarily look up to Canada when, when it's about Latin music, you know? And so this is starting to happen, and I think it's, it's something incredibly beautiful um, that we've been able to do from here, music that reaches beyond, and, and, and music that feels new and powerful to Latin American countries. I, be, I, keep, I keep saying, because Latin music is very young in Canada. Let's just put it that way. I came, and now thanks to urban music, urban Latin music, the music, Latin music is crossing over way more. I remember listening to a song in Spanish, sitting at Tim Hortons, like maybe six years ago. And I almost fell off my chair because I was like, what? I never, I never dreamed that that was going to happen, right? All the speakers, you know, the, the, work, the, the chain, whatever they get the music from was, was playing it. And so now music, Latin music is way more popular in Canada, but it's still young. And like I've been saying, I've been saying um, when people, you know, when I, the Grammys that I've been, the Latin Grammys that I've been winning and stuff like that, I, be, I keep saying, it's because what I do here sounds fresh to the Latin people. Of course, it would be difficult for Canada to see that because the knowledge is not necessarily there yet to say, yeah. I know about Latin music. But that's the only reason why I've been winning Latin Grammys. And now this Grammy is not because I have a, a, a multinational behind me pushing down there. No, I'm an independent artist, you know? And mm -hmm. the good thing about that is that I, I feel, and this is very unique in me. I won't, I won't, I have to admit it. It's very unique in me. Rather me getting scared because there is hardly any, you know, strong audience for, for Latin music in Canada. Rather getting scared of that and say, no, the hell with Canada, I'm going to move to Miami. I saw that as an opportunity. I saw that as a space and I love a space. Yeah. That space told me, if you create something beautiful, it will go beyond language. This is your opportunity to create a sound. Because if you go to a place like Miami, you ended up sounding like everybody else. Well, it's, you know, and I, you've made me curious because in Latin music, the pop mainstream urban feel stuff is the reggaeton and all those. Yeah. And I, I, it makes me curious because you've got this more sort of a jazz, jazzy Latin thing that you yeah. do, right? It's got more of that, that flavor to it. Yeah. So there's um, depth to the music that you create from my experience of listening to it. And so, but when you're not, like if you were in Miami, you'd be so bombarded by that sort of reggaeton urban feel of things. Um, that it would probably influence you. And I think I understand when you're in Smithers, BC, which you have no filter, right? You just can create the, whatever comes out of you without some expectation of, Oh, I've got to fit in here and I've got to fit in there. You just get to be yourself. So maybe it is a bit of a gift. Maybe that's part of the magic is breaking away from the norm and the expectation. And just truly, like you said, the music just comes through you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh... Uh, for me, it's a freedom, you know. It's a uh, maintaining myself always fresh. I have a I have a big friend. I mean, I, ha I have a friend who is big in the Latin music um, in the Latin music uh, industry down in Miami. He's actually Mark Anthony's manager. Um, and I remember one time I told him, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking, dude. I'm thinking to to move to Miami." I said, "I don't I don't know why I said it, but I said it, you know." Man, he called me. He said, please 
do not, please, do not move to Miami. If you fall, if you if you come to Miami, you're gonna lose lose all of your creativity. You're gonna become just another musician that plays every weekend here, uh, you know, at a restaurant or whatever it is. You know, please. I am a fan of your music. I adore your creativity. Please don't come here. I was like, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Smithers it is. Well, stay in beautiful Smithers, BC. Well, now we're going to take it up a notch. I um, Out of the pandemic, I uh, I took uh, engineering. You know, I recorded the album that won the, the Grammy. Here yeah. in my, I recorded it here in my living room. So now, but now I have many artists, you know, across the world from so many different places uh, reaching out and asking me to produce music for them. So I already, I already have done production for two uh, artists in Mexico and one in Spain. But now, uh, and, I, and I owe this to the pandemic because it made, it made me focus on engineering and getting, getting that door open. And, and it's the first, first time that I did it professionally. Um, so next month we begin building my studio here in Spain. That's know. so good. So, this is exciting. Yeah. I'm so excited for you, man. It's cool for me because we got to talk, you know, a year ago, you were grateful for uh, the Grammy Hall of Fame and you were grateful for, you know, all of the success you've had with your four Latin Grammys over the years. And uh, here you go. It's been a few years since you won your last Latin Grammy and then out of the True. blue, uh, you do it again with, with the other Grammys. And uh, it's cool to see. I, I was really excited for you I, when we found out, man. I, what, what a cool thing to be able to, to witness through you. Pretty neat. Yeah. Well, we are beyond belief. You know, we are so grateful and happy. Uh, it's, just, it's just something unbelievable. What experience. What is a real experience, you know? I, I wish um, most musicians get to, feel, get to feel that throughout their careers, you know, because it's, it, truly, it, truly, it truly is amazing. I, uh, it comes to mind now, my my friend um, Nelly Furtado. I have to I have to say, because I worked with her uh, on her Spanish debut album many years back, was in two thousand and nine, I think. And I remember her saying, because she won a, her Grammy when she was like so young, out of her first album, right? And I remember Nelly saying, <laughs> when I won that Grammy, I thought to myself. That winning Grammys was easy. <laughs> I, wow. I thought. I thought. Oh, you just make an album, and then you go boom, you win a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it is. It is something that you know. Some musicians get it at the beginning of their career. Some musicians don't. I was my kid pull up the other day um, on Wikipedia musicians in BC that that have won Grammys, and and I was like. My mouth, my jaw hit the floor when I saw that, for example, Brian Adams mm-hmm. uh, has, has, has been nominated 15 times and, and, and only won one. Yeah. So I'm like, holy cow. This is like, so yeah, it's no, it's no joke, you know? And Latin pop album of the year is a major category. So um, like I said, I, I, it's a feeling that I, I wish I could share um, with most musicians I know and, and, and 
you know, it's, it's because it's just so wonderful, you know. It's, it's, I guess we all have to work hard, man, at, at, at becoming the best we can at what we do. That's what it is. This is The Shift Podcast. Every week we connect back to Ukraine and get inside information, a look from inside Odessa with Hannah Shalis, PhD. Ukrainian Prism is the name of the organization that Hannah is with and uh, is in Odessa. Hello, Hannah, are you there? Yes, good morning. Uh, good morning to you. Um, how are you doing, Hannah? It's been a busy few days for you in, in Odessa. Um, and generally in Ukraine, I would say that uh, the last week definitely is not uh, the easiest uh, with the uh, increased uh, uh, shelling of the places that before we thought are quite a safe uh, to the uh, uh, tremendous awful pictures uh, from uh, Bucherpen and all other villages um, around Kiev that have been just uh, liberated. So that's like, you know, Half a day you can be in the good mood because the sun is rising uh, and that half of the day you can be in the very strong depression when you uh, hear either the new explosions or the new news. Well, and that must be so confusing as a Ukrainian because there is excitement of places like Bucha because the Russians are gone. And then it reveals what happened in Bucha, which is uh, tragic and deplorable. And then at the same time, it makes you think of the other places where Russia is or has been and the potential of what's going on there. But at the same time, some of the changes are pushing back um, in a big way against Russia. So it, it, it must be much like a pendulum swinging back and forth for you emotionally as you sit and watch this unfold. Yes, that's for sure. Not only like Bucha, that is the pictures that the world is uh, seeing now. And because Bucha is the easiest from all towns to be pronounced uh, for foreign languages. Unfortunately, the same situation is in uh, many other towns and villages around Kiev. But also, you know, in the places like yesterday, for the first time in three weeks, managed to speak with uh, uh, my colleague uh, who spent these months in Chernigiv uh, from this month's three weeks in the basement and that is extremely positive person like whom i always glad to hear my biggest buddy a very huge man by himself and you know this feeling when i suddenly saw his number at my telephone and he's saying like good morning i finally managed to uh get out and to to find some mobile connection to speak uh it, it's been such a happiness that you can't imagine and then he with all his positive he's starting sending me pictures of what he's seen around and how they spent these uh three weeks and uh, these cocktail i mean it's like a molotov cocktail inside of you uh, of all these uh, different feelings it was a very adventurous weekend as rockets did land uh, in and around edessa uh, hannah i was just sharing an update about the fuel depot in edessa and some rockets this weekend can you tell us what you saw heard or what the because clarity for your organization is so important um what is the accurate information about rockets in edessa this weekend uh, yes, we woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning from the very heavy explosions. There have been at least uh, that I heard personally. And uh, uh, we immediately 
several friends uh, who are living in the different parts of the town, and I would say that uh, we heard it in downtown, and my friend who is living 17 kilometers from me heard it with the same uh, uh, loud sound. And then uh, uh, just from my balcony, I saw the, uh, uh, like, try to imagine, 6 a.m. It's quite a dark uh, yet. So there'd been smoke and uh, uh, red color sky. And then we found out that there have been uh, strokes again of the uh, um, uh, fuel refinery, but that is the closed fuel refinery. I mean, this uh, refinery been closed for the last seven or eight years. But at the same time, uh, that is the whole complex of infrastructure that they had. And it was a big fire there plus the several fuel uh, um, depots uh, in another part of the town. And I would say that till uh, a very late evening, still at 6 p.m. when I've been walking outside, uh, we saw the black smoke, very big column just in the downtown, even that those places are quite a number of kilometers uh, from us. And th that was quite a bad feeling because then when at the midnight the uh, new blast being heard, uh, luckily they didn't target uh, any objects, the air defense worked well, but you already perceived them with the memory of what happened in the morning and it was quite a um, panicking and, uh, and disturbing for sure. Everything seems to move so quickly. Odessa has been rather well insulated from uh, stuff like this. Is this is that the worst in your city that you've seen so far of of physical attacks? I would say that that was the biggest one because the previous one that targeted the uh, city limits that's been at the suburbs uh, and a few of the private houses, the like uh, at the beach uh, being targeted at that time. Uh, the problem is that you need to understand that that is not just about Odessa. If you look to the um, uh, object that had been targeted within the last week, they had a very exact pattern. That is fuel storages. Uh, and why? That is very important thing. Now we have the, it's not only for the armed forces, uh, what is important definitely, but the armed forces have their own logistics. But now it is the very start of the seeding campaign. That's when we are starting preparing the fields uh, uh, for the wheat, uh, for barley, for everything. So now fuel is extremely important for agriculture to have some food, to have uh, our biggest export uh, opportunities for the future. Uh, so Russians are deliberately targeting uh, the places. They also uh, targeted several uh, storages that are important for the agriculture um, uh, development. So it, it looks like they would like uh, to, to influence this process. And as a result, we can have even greater uh, problems in the several months when Ukraine will not be able to deliver the same amount of uh, uh, wheat and grains as we used to have. Earlier on Wednesday, on Tuesday, President uh, Vladimir Zelensky went to the United Nations Security Council, and I'm paraphrasing and summarizing, but he basically said it's time to do something or, or dissolve this organization. Uh, I wanted to give you a minute to uh, to 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 get political, if you like, get clear, whatever comes to your mind. What do Canadians need to hear? Because I think that what he said was very important for him to say, because it's time to uh, put up or shut up is what we would say in Canadian or in uh, English, uh, a cliche in Canada. And I think he's challenging the U.N. Security Council to actually do something. Or why are you bothering being here? So what do we as Canadians need to hear about that from you? Um, he said this about dissolution exactly about the Security Council, not about the whole United Nations. 
and the Russian Federation, who still has the and can block any of the activities, uh, even more they are using this uh, um, organization for spreading not just a propaganda, you know, uh, yesterday when the Russian representative in the Security Council been pronouncing his speech, that been the first time I felt physically sick uh, because of the disgust and squishing uh, from what he've been telling there. And he's using this respectable fora for, for this. And one of the interesting thing is what we can start thinking uh, as the politicians, as experts, that uh, de facto, or better say de jure, Russian Federation doesn't have a right to be in the Security Council uh, because this place, according to the Charter, is for the Soviet Union. And uh, the procedure should be that Russian Federation should be um, approved for being a member of the uh, United Nations back in 1991, as it happened, for example, with Serbia, which is also the uh, uh, daughter of Yugoslavia, nevertheless. Uh, but at that time, everybody closed their eyes. And now, if we really would like to be uh, very much in detail, the Russian Federation de facto doesn't have this right, to, not only to have a veto power, but even to be uh, the, the member of the United Nations they need to pass the whole process of uh, acceptance. But uh, uh, that's why the president was so strict that if we allow the Russian Federation to violate even the basics of the international law, uh, how far we can go uh, with these, and that probably the Security Council also need to search for the opportunities, as well as the whole international community within the other organizations, the ways how to limit Russians' manipulations with the basics of our international order. Uh, it is incredibly clear, that's for sure. Somebody had asked me, and you shared about your friend who you hadn't heard from in a long time, and someone asked me, they said, you know, uh, the relationships that you're making with these people from Ukraine, uh, it's so interesting to learn about the country. And then somebody asked me, they said, what's the best part about it? And I said, well, learning about Ukraine is is incredible. I wish I had learned sooner. Um, but the best part is when they pick up. And that, that would be the, uh, the honest truth about every time that, you know, there's a message sent that then there's a response received. Is, is that one of the most difficult things you go through as well as when you send a message to somebody trying to tell yourself it's possible they're not around mobile service at the moment and waiting for a response back? You know, within our organization, now people are, like, even previously, we had people in different cities of Ukraine, like a network, but uh, with all these events, many people needed to evacuate to other towns around Ukraine, and few of our members are living abroad, uh, uh, like, even before the war. So the most important for us in the morning, when uh, somebody is sending, like, okay, now it is the call, who, who is where? And then you're starting to receive pluses or smiles, uh, is in the Facebook chat, and, and that is so important, because with each of the pluses, you understand that, okay, people are safe, at least people can respond, everything is, uh, uh, is okay, and then you're starting sharing some of the news, what's happened, or discussing the work issues, what we can do uh, more, and uh, that, that's definitely the feeling that uh, probably even a few months ago we couldn't imagine. Uh, Hannah Shalis, PhD, Ukrainian Prism, uh, thank you so much for being here again. Uh, stay safe, and thank you for the update from Odessa in Ukraine. We'll talk to you soon. Thank Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.